everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hootink, with my co-host, Christian Conway. So if two is company and three is a crowd, what does five people equal? It is our guests. Ellie is our house. Um, we're here with David, Bobby, and Lewis. Hey! What's up, everybody? Lewis? <laughs> this is Bobby. Ellie is our house. We're here. Yeah, so the reason there's multiple to have these guys on... But I wanted to have everybody on because actually, Elias, our house, over three years ago now, was my very first podcast. Ooh. And it was when I just started with Switch the Pitch, which at the time was known as MLS Female. And uh, yeah, they got me on their balls and beers. Look, Galaxy fans, if you're not playing balls and beers, I don't know what you're doing because we've all been mls and uh, as we will talk about in the U.S. men's national team recap, when, how important MLS really was for that game and so how much it was for us. And I really appreciate you guys coming back on. Thank you. Yeah. First time, right? First time ever. You're welcome. Yeah. Soccer. And, and yes. I, for one, my as Simply Soccer is my second favorite podcast. Oh, uh, the, the first, of course, being Corner of the Galaxy. Uh, <laughs> um, you guys are you guys are great. And wow, throwing our dropping, own podcast know. under the bus, just talking shit about our um, own yeah, podcast. I should have said straight from the stands. Um, and in that's why you don't get the QC years, right. I'm opening one for you guys. Here you go, Ake. I'll match that energy as well, Michelle. I opened mine already. But no, seriously, thank you guys for, so much for having us on. I I truly do enjoy your podcast, um, and uh, it's it's definitely the place where I get all of my women's soccer knowledge from uh, from you and Christian. So thanks. We're honored. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're definitely honored. Um, you know that that is a funny thing of my niche getting into this was because I'm a woman. Um, unless I'm otherwise told, I think I'm still the only female in the LA Galaxy podcast world um, who's covering them. Wow. Um, and then I, because I have a lot of friends um, from the women's teams that I actually, I know that they run their own stuff. Um, so shout out to Jackie and Patty and Kelly. But, um, you know, what I was just going to say was it, it's just been, I mean, what a wild ride, right? The last three years. Um, and you know, unfortunately, um, Riot Squad isn't recording right now, and everybody's podcasts tend to run a little long. Not going to lie, this episode, we're going to totally have a lot of fun with this and, and go with it and see how it goes. But, um, you know, for Christian and I actually try to stand out a bit by making sure our podcasts are, like, just long enough for your commute, like, about no longer than an hour um, or even, like, a workout, right? So... Um, that's what we try to do, but, you know, we're so glad to have you guys on. I, I do listen to you guys religiously, especially, uh, when I'm trying to get my picks in, which Christian, did you get your picks in yet? I didn't need to be reminded. <laughs> yeah. There, it's, there's still time, everybody. I'll send, I'll send the link in the chat, Christian, just in case. <laughs> it, it's usually yeah. every week. I'm, I'm good about doing it. I promise. Even if my <laughs> results are never great, but we, we get there at some yeah. point. Oh, trust dude. I'm, I'm, I'm in the, when it comes to all three of us right now. I'm in the lowest ranking right now. David is is, is above me, which hasn't, which I'm upset about. But still, yeah, Michelle. all they try to do is beat each other, <laughs> and all you got to do is beat them when you play. That's the that's not the goal. 
Well, initially it's me and David trying not to have Lewis win, and then 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 it's just us, him, and me battling somehow. So, well, I think the perfect I think the perfect explanation of what balls and beers is is three guys trying to beat each other. That's that's just about right. <laughs> and then everybody getting MLS. Well, quickly. <laughs> Well, quickly, if, if if I'm sorry, Michelle, but if, if nobody knows what Balls and Beers is, I think yeah, Lewis should Lewis, explain what it, it is. Yeah. It is a game that he did create. Uh, yeah, so I had the, the, the most brilliant idea about four years ago. Um, and it actually was inspired by, uh, by uh, Grant Wall, who was looking for somebody that um, consistently bets on MLS and actually wins money, like real money. Um, because it's so unpredictable that, you know, kind of betting on it is kind of a fool's errand. And that kind of gave me the idea of, hey, I should probably try that experiment, see what happens. And I, that's where the game was created. And uh, we've been doing it ever since. And somehow we're still all friends. So, you know, it, it, it's been... Uh, it, oh, it, we, it's been fun. It's been <laughs> this is not going to break us. We went through way too much stuff before this. <laughs> this is not going to break us. I mean, you guys no, speak, speak for yourselves. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was gonna say, but you guys have been friends since ninety six. Oh, shut up, David. <laughs> since before that, I think. No, before that. Does anybody know the year? Yeah, well, uh, D- David and I are related. Ninety four, so, maybe. <laughs> so there's that. Well, I mean, there, you guys are related, but, uh, but when I, I came into the world of you that guys, ninety six, because I, I, I like, believe we were sophomores in high school. Yeah, and yeah. I was a freshman. Yes. Okay. So this was what, like seventeen seventy six. Yeah. Oh yes. my God, Christian! Christian is the youngest of all of us. In case people can't hear, and it, I, is no and masks. I have, and I have the largest mouth out of all of us. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Respect your elders. Oh, this guy brings up 1776 right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, U.S. men's national team. Uh, okay, oh, sorry. so I thought it was muted. That's where we're going. Okay. Well. <laughs> editing this um we don't we don't edit our own show and we don't do predictions on our nope. show um no this is this is a straight <laughs> our, like tagline <laughs> soccer, no predictions on our show but <laughs> let's play balls and beers um yeah so u.s men's national team drew their first two matches and then bagged a win last night and we have to say Sebastian Legette, as proud LA Galaxy fans know that he was the spark. He's been the spark. And then, you know, a lot of the MLS guys were the ones that got the assists and, and really ended up getting that second half win. Yeah, this is uh, – so I think we all kind of got reminded about the the difficulty that is CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, right? They go down to El Salvador and, and manage a credible 1-1 draw, I'd say. I think, you know, opening on the road in that stadium, I mean, you, you saw the atmosphere that the fans there brought. And, you know, you're talking about a, a, a relatively young national team roster. Uh, I, I'll take the 1-1 draw. And I think everyone kind of went fatal mode when we drew 1-1 with Canada. I think, you know, two points out of out of a possible six when everyone was 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 talking about, you know, this has to be nine points and the players were saying it, the fans were saying it. And I think that it's partially bred out of a mentality of we need to exercise the demons of Trinidad so effectively and massively that anything less than nine points is unacceptable. Anything less than nine points is going to be a problem. And then they go out and they play underwhelming against Canada. But, you know, if, if and then you 
go to Honduras and Honduras has always been kind of this weird sticking point for the U S men's national team, right? Like it's always been a bit of a bogey point for the U S men's national team. And they go out and they play a first half that was significantly not great. Um, and then they go ahead and manage to, and, and, and I, I give Verhalter a lot of credit because Verhalter came out and said, look, I got the formation wrong. And I think we as galaxy fans are very aware of a coach that, when they are so dogmatically tied to a formation, bad things happen. Of course, I'm referring to Guillermo Shaloto. But Bearhalter came in at halftime and said, look, I need to make changes. This isn't working. Tyler Adams, that outside back is a bad idea. You know, like, we need to move everything around. And, you know, he brings in Legette. He brings in Anthony Robinson, who I thought was absolutely brilliant in this game. You know, it, it changes the shape. It changes everything. Brendan Aronson was brilliant in this game as well. Um, I think also to, to note... 16 players over these three games made their World Cup qualifying debuts. They had so many issues in this camp, right? I mean, you know, Gio Reyna goes down injured. There's the Weston McKinney situation, which, you know, we don't really know exactly what happened there, but that's that, that can sink a team. You know, you have Timmy Weah out injured. You know, Zach Steffen, you're assumed number one out injured. Pulisic goes down in this game. You know, you're talking about one of the young, or I believe the youngest lineup that they've ever fielded. And they figured out a way to do this. And like that, you know, five points from this first three games, I think if, even if they've gotten nine points out of the first three games, U.S. men's national team fans would still be banging for blood. But I think considering that, you know, the, the amount of turnover the U.S. has had over the past two years and the amount of, you know, pretty much kids like Ricardo Pepe at 18 years old, you know, stepping into Honduras and, you know, showing up, this is invaluable learning experience. And... Oh, and by the way, they got a four and one win. You know, like that that's a this is a very good sign. And I'm I'm very pleased with kind of that second half. I think there's open conversations about those first two games that aren't satisfactorily answered, but I kind of like where the the, the learning on the fly is going. So when going into going into this this first round of sort of three games uh in qualifying, five points you would have said, yeah, that's that means they won at home and they drew on the road, right? Um, the really, really concerning part of all of this is the way that they looked for two and a half games. Like 30 minutes should not erase the other 180 some odd minutes um, where the U.S. just did not look good. They didn't look cohesive. They didn't look aggressive. I mean, they're playing you know, they're lost. Uh, it, it, that first half in Honduras, there was absolutely zero midfield and it had nothing to do with Tyler Adams playing right back. Um, Burhalter, look, we have a long history on our pod about the hiring of, or, or our thoughts on the hiring of Burhalter. Um, one of the things that we've harped on for a long, long time is, U.S. soccer wasted an entire year waiting for Burhalter to not win MLS Cup, right? Um, and then they lost another year due to the pandemic. Um, that one's not not Burhalter's fault. It's not U.S. soccer's fault. But they did waste the whole year, and it turned into two. And now we're seeing the results of that. And you got to and, and a lot of people in hindsight will say, "Wow." Look at look at the 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 guts that it took for Burhalter to put four young debutants on the field away in San Pedro Sula, in Honduras. 
that doesn't that that's not a, a brave bold strategy to me that was desperation that was absolute desperation and the way that he's mishandled the the tactical side of the the qualifying um they didn't they didn't look great in in the tournaments leading up to this in the nations league they didn't look great they made it to the final they won in gold cup they didn't look great they got better they made it to the final they won they beat mexico twice um they're gonna have to do it when it matters for them to make to convince me and honestly again i've said this for a long time qualify then talk to me qualify first and then maybe I'll put a little bit more faith in you. I was ready. I was ready to get back on the train. I was at the station. I had my ticket um, after Nations League and after the Gold Cup because I found myself caring about this team again. But I'm glad I did not step on that train yet. Aren't there 10 more games, though? There there are 10 more games, but how long? So you, you look at you look at the way that things played out. They got points in Honduras when they shouldn't have. They drew in El Salvador, probably the easiest game, away game outside of Jamaica that they're going to face. They drop points against Canada at home. Those are games that what if Mexico, what if we lose to Mexico at home and at Azteca? That's points that we could have had against Canada. What if we lose against Costa Rica at home and in Costa Rica? That's another point. That's more points. Those are a all lot plausible. Of, exactly. A lot of these, the 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 hindsight of all this is, oh, we're going to gain those other points that we're supposed to gain. There's no guarantees in CONCACAF. And yes, the MLS guys stepped up big time. They came in because, because you know why? They're used to playing against that kind of competition. Too many times did I see Pulisic and, all, and a bunch of the other European players sort of wait for the calls that they were never going to get in in Honduras um there was there was like it was like luxury playing the way the ball rolls on the on the pitch in Chelsea is not the same way the ball rolls in San Pedro Sula so so they they had a lot of problems and the desperation move that that Greg Berhalter pulled off in the final 30 minutes in Honduras worked, but I don't like that going into the rest of qualifying. Now I'm not saying fire Greg Berhalter because God knows there's nobody behind him. There is absolutely zero other candidates that I would replace him with. So I do want to get to two points that you made that I think I, I agree with in concept, but I'm not necessarily sure I agree with in, uh, in practice. I think you know the the draw to Canada at home is probably the most disastrous result of these three results. I think you know that's a game that you know it's Canada's first time in. Are, we're calling it the 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 octo or the ocho. Have we come up with terminology for this yet? <laughs> I thought it was an octagon. <laughs> so I, I think I think we're going for the ocho. Um, it's the you, ocho. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ESPN the ocho. Uh, do you like to watch dodgeball? Uh, but I. Uh, I think, and, and and think about the way that you know when when we look ahead in the calendar, which is the most dangerous thing that you can possibly do in World Cup qualifying because it terrifies you. Uh, we close Costa Rica, Costa Rica, uh, Costa Rica, Mexico away, Costa Rica. That's not easy, <laughs> obviously. 
Now, we can talk about the relative generations that currently exist in CONCACAF. I think this Costa Rica team is not as good as it used to be. Um, I think Jamaica is definitely three points on the road, guaranteed, um, considering how just abjectly listless they looked for a team that should be much more, that should be bigger than the sum of its parts. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, we, we do have to keep in mind, this is the youngest U.S. men's national team in probably... I'd say 50, 60 years, as far as my memory goes back. Sure. They have to learn on the job. And they don't have the, the, the benefit of, you know, a lot of guys that would have been in this cycle before. You know, like they don't have a Landon Donovan. They don't have a Clint Dempsey. They don't have, you know, they have a Christian Pulisic who's, you know, 22, 23 at this point. And to your point, um, and I think I agree with you on the point that you made about this isn't, this isn't Chelsea. Like the, the, the bounces aren't going to go your way. You know, this isn't clean, you know, clean European, you know, fields and, you know, it's a little bit more roughing it. Um, Frankie Heiduck was on uh Sirius XM earlier today and I was listening to him and he said, you know, like, look, I was playing in the champions league at Leverkusen and I was always up for those games because it was just like, everything was taken care of. Everything was perfect. When I went to world cup qualifying, it was so different because it was all the off field stuff. Like, you know, the fact that, Somehow everyone seems to figure out where your hotel is and your phone rings all night in your room, you know, kind of thing that threw me off. And I think we're dealing with a generation of guys that and I made this point on Twitter last night that, you know, they haven't ever had to deal with this. And so I think we're watching that happen in real time. And yes, we will have growing pains. I mean, that Canada game or the game in El Salvador, um, which I still think is a, a fantastically great point. Um, but we will also have games that happen in Honduras where like it all clicks. Um, I, I think what would have convinced me that this team was going to be okay going forward was seeing the response after McKinney goes home, uh, gets sent home by Burhalter for breaking protocol, which we all can agree, bad. Uh, Let's throw quotes on that because we don't know exactly what happened. Learn the lesson. Learn the lesson yeah. that was so harshly learned or taught by Charlie Davies. And what happens when you broke break protocol or when you break curfew? Um, so number one, if the team would have turned around and played lights off, balls to the wall, Bert did everything Burhalter mapped out for them, I would have been like, okay, he's got this team, they're buying in, they've got it. I don't think that happened. We can definitely see it did not happen, right? In the final 30 minutes. I'm not sure if Burhalter made a bunch of adjustments and uh, by bringing in Leggett and Roldan and um, Anthony Robinson and some of the other guys that he brought in to sort of play simpler. I'm not entirely convinced that the team didn't just kind of take things into their own hands and reshape the way they were playing or if Burhalter made that adjustment. Either way, it's too late and it's a little concerning that they left it so late because it could have been disastrous. Yeah. I think if, if they draw or lose this game, we're all kind of like, um, okay, now let's start, you know, getting out the calculators and adding the numbers. Um, I think, you know, to kind of start moving the conversation a little bit more forward into this game. And, and, you, and you mentioned simplicity. I, I don't necessarily look for my national teams to be tactically, you know, these incredibly gifted tactical teams, you just don't have the time and, and the, the, the consistency in terms of injury. I mean, keep in mind, you know, 
Bearholt, five of Bearholter's six wingers that he's consistently called were all injured in this game. Like he had to go, you know, he had to go to the, you know, the bench, like, I mean, almost to the crowd kind of thing. I think, you know, at, he, I give Bearholter credit for at halftime in this game against Honduras. He kind of like, I didn't, I had an old high school teacher who I'd always try to write these, you know, flowering paragraphs and always say, you know, my favorite acronym is KISS, keep it simple, stupid. And I think Bearholter just looked himself in the mirror and said that to himself. And that's why, you know, Legette comes on to calm the midfield down and, and, and provide that line breaking ability. And, and that's why, you know, you transition Tyler Adams into the center of midfield because he's a destroyer. That's what he does. And you need that right then and there. Um, and I'm okay with going simple on a road game in CONCACAF. I think for me, the game against Canada is where kind of the, the unforgivable sin occurs. Um, I think five points is a very good place to be, but I, I can I can understand why a lot of people are kind of like a little tepid about this, and I'd I'd, I'd, I'd like to bring Michelle in here if you've got anything or or, or some other people because I know yeah. you, I know you and I are dominating this conversation. So yeah, uh, no, I was just thinking about like the goal differential, but I'm ready to hear from Lewis. I was told there's a time slot, and when it comes Ow. to the national team, we're gonna <laughs> oh be we're, we're gonna be here for hours on end because the the, the thing is it's with okay, this I'll just team, pay these guys to edit anyway. Go <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Um, the thing there is no price for editing. <laughs> Straight cut. <laughs> no, okay, let's action. Um, when it comes to this program, you can talk about a plethora of things and each one of those things can spawn off several other talking points, right? We're, we're all over the map here. And, uh, you know, when I was thinking to myself uh, yesterday about, okay, you know, what haven't I talked about already on our podcast when we used to talk about the national team and usually pretty negatively because um, it was leading up to 2018, um, you know, wh what can I bring to the table? What can I say about this program, about this team, uh, its struggles or and uh, whatnot that I haven't brought already? And what type of intelligent, um, you know, points can I make? And unfortunately, I couldn't come up with one. I could not come up with a single intelligent argument or anything about what I saw in the game or what is playing in this program. And quite frankly, it's because I realized I know very little about this sport. Very little. I pretend to know more than I lead on. I certainly want to know more. And unfortunately, I'm not in a, in a minority. I'm in a very huge majority of people who truly are uneducated about the sport. And where I'm going with this particular rant is the easy answer that everyone has been talking about for at least the past decade, the culture, right? The culture mm -hmm. needs to change in order for this program to see its change, which is what Klinsman was tasked to do. So, okay, how exactly do you change that? There's so many things that you have to change uh, in the way that we look and view the sport, right? And many of us don't know anything about the sport. And I don't want to call anybody out here, but... Heck, my co-hosts don't really know, truly know about the sport. And let me give you an example of why I'm saying all this. For those of you who've played Little League Baseball at any point, right, whether you started at four years old or you started at like 10 years old, you were genuinely 
taught the game. Every small detail about the game, you knew. And you were taught it over and over again at practice. Things that you just naturally think it just comes natural, right? Throwing, hitting. They taught you the mechanics. They taught you the basics. They taught you how to stand. They taught you how to swing. They taught you where you're, you know, square your shoulder. Your elbow has to be up. Don't make sure you're not dropping your, your, your shoulders because the ball is going to pop up if you hit it. They taught you the physics, everything about this game. They taught you how to slide. They taught you every position, what you're supposed to do. Every position had a certain job. And depending on the situation of what was going on, that job changed. How many outs are there? Well, if there's this many outs, this is where the ball is going. This is what you should be doing in this situation, right? Are there any runners on? Everything changes and everybody knew. By the time you're 10, 11 years old, you knew everything you had to know about this game. Some people executed it better and were more athletically gifted, which is why they improved. But you knew about this sport. And a good majority of Americans who watch baseball and who attend these games know exactly what is going on. When they see it, they know exactly what is supposed to happen. Transition to soccer. If you play AYSO, I'm not talking about club. I'm not talking about academies. I'm not talking about like high school or colleges. Rec leagues, AYSO. You don't get taught anything. I don't know about anybody else out there listening, but I never had an AYSO coach that genuinely taught me about this sport. Everything I know, I had to pick up on my own. And I can guarantee that a majority of the people who say that they know this sport had to do something similar. No one taught me how to kick. No one taught me the mechanics of how to kick. No one said, you kick the ball this way, the trajectory of the ball does this. If you do this, you know, the ball goes up, right? How do you, you know, how and when? Positions. You weren't taught positions. You were just told three. Here, one, two, three. Forward score. Defenses prevent goals. And midfielders just help out both ways whenever you can. There was no teaching of formations, why they were there, what they were used for, how they were utilized. And they certainly didn't teach you the way they teach you in baseball. This position does this. This is your job. They didn't teach you positioning. They didn't teach you how to play as a team. You picked it up as you went along. And the people and the kids who picked it up better than the other, they're the ones that went on and went to the clubs, went to the academies. Then we start getting into the pay-to-play system, which is a whole other conversation. I was gonna but, say that's a that's a longer yeah. pod for a longer day. Yes. The, the exactly. only thing, the only and, thing and that's that, consistent between little league baseball and AYSO soccer is the the guys who can't run or the fat guys. You are on defense. Yeah, or in baseball, it's, you're true. in the outfield. Right, but at least you were being taught. You were being taught how to play the game. Whether or not you were good at executing it is a completely different story. But like. When you see like people on their time uh, on your timeline, or even in, I'm sorry to say, even in podcast, how many tactical analysis? I mean, genuine tactical analysis. Do you hear? It's very, very little. It's always about an opinion. It's always assumption, including this rant right here. It's always something like that. People, you know, talk talk about this game, right? Going back to what you were taught as as a kid: forward score, defenders. Don't let goals in. Midfielders, just help out wherever you can, right? So what are what's the analysis all over my timeline? Josh Sargent, forward, doesn't score. Bad. 
Pepe forward scores. Good. And that's what's blasted on my timeline because that's what you know. That's, okay, what, so, you, that's what you were taught. So I mean, I going, like you, youth equals inexperience is what I'm hearing from the U.S. men's team, which is also a thing. What I'm saying is that, I mean, it, it doesn't solve every problem. So right? I, but but what, what, how are we expected to beat teams, including teams like Honduras and, and El Salvador, whose, you know, culture is very much embedded, like, embedded in this sport. They love and cherish the sport. But what's missing from, from their arsenal is the economics, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have the funding mm-hmm. to develop mm-hmm. as much as they want to, to get those pristine fields and those pristine leagues. That's what they're missing. But the culture is there. And we're so, expected to beat these teams when we are, as a society and as a whole, extremely ignorant to the sport, I mean, Zlatan did say when he was here, and then I'll let Dave go, but like Zlatan did say when he was here how expensive it is to play your kids. Um, but go ahead, Dave. I don't know about you. I want to hear from Bobby. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Okay. No, um, no, no. I mean, what Lewis says, what Lewis is saying is very much true. There's a lot of holes that I can argue, yet if I would remember them, but you know, I kind of just, I kind of you know just floated on on his his, his talk right there. Because it was, but it was, overall, yes. Analogy. I mean, he's he. I mean, I mean, look it. I mean, I understand where he's coming from. I understand where he's what he's saying because it is like majority majority true, where um, you know the passion and and the heart and and just the lifestyle is not there. Um, and when you're when you're going up against a you know a a, a nation where it's 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 number one priority compared to us. It's, 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 it's a very different beast. Um, other than that, I mean, look at, I understand what Conway is saying about how we're having this younger team and it's this new thing for them. And it's, it's just kind of like this, 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 uh, this unwrapping of, 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 uh, this new journey for them. It's a very different team than what me and David and Lewis and you guys mm-hmm. grew up with. You know, when there was a Donovan, you know, the team through Donovan era and, and before that, it's a very different team for me, simply because of the last few years and the inexperience and the lack of execution of the U S team prior to Burhalter. Um, moving on to him, I've lost interest completely. Uh, I was quite surprised and shocked within the last couple tournaments mm-hmm. that we were the winners. Um, but I always felt that we were still amateurs. And I feel that watching these qualifications, you can see it. It's completely clear. We're amateurs. We should not be coming out of El Salvador without any points. We should not be going into Canada without any points. Um, I mean, Honduras had to be a big, you know, big comeback fight. And coming back full circle, back to what you guys are coming talking about, about MLS players. I mean, MLS players are extraordinarily known to come back from comebacks when they're, when they're in their specific teams that can, can actually execute that. Um, so, I mean, that's where the strength comes from in that point. And also just the managerial spot of like when to make the changes and everything and just allowing time to do it. 
Um, but all, other than that, we were a, we should be a better team than Honduras. We shouldn't be coming back. I mean, it's expected that we can do that, but we should not be doing that. Um, personally, this team is still lackluster for me, and I'm not really sure in my heart whether I should invest or not. <laughs> so you're not saving up for 2026 just yet? No. <laughs> so I would... Oh, dude. I mean, look it. We're getting through. I mean, how many? How many more uh, games Ten are there, more. guys? In the qualification? Ten more. Ten more? Well, then, shit. I mean, there's a lot of room, but yep. you know, it's. I would not be surprised if we did not qualify again for the yeah. second time. You weren't time. mad that you couldn't get the game on. <laughs> No, I was, I was, I was, okay, so, so, listeners, we used to have to go listeners, to bars, I, we used to have to go to bars to get jeans, everything, yeah. David, so, D- David and I used to work in an office where we would watch these games while we worked in a fucking four inch tube screen in like those long, and long, you know, you know, you know how your dad used to take these like tube TVs that was only four inches on your camping trip, that's what we had. And we used to watch games like that until, you know, the Internet started and we had to watch everything all blocky and and digital and crappy. That's how old we are, Christian. Bad bandwidth. Band- <laughs> yes. Sorry, <laughs> I used to run down the street to <laughs> open thing on Sunset Boulevard to go watch these games. So I do get what you're saying. Yeah. But I understand. But David's going to but David's going to talk about the, the, the era of that tournament where we would go to bars like a freaking four in the morning, three in the morning yeah, or whatever. Go ahead, Dave. I was going to say to Bobby's <laughs> point and, and to bring it back into MLS, because really this is an MLS focused um, podcast. Um, if you look at the, the the players that the announcers were talking about the most on Honduras, who were they? They were Minor Figueroa and they were Andy Nahar, two players that, that have made their names in MLS. Uh, on the Honduras side. And they were the ones that were creating a lot of problems for the U.S. And you you have to look at it, and this is something that we had said years and years ago. MLS is not only going to make, is, is going to be better for the, the culture of American soccer, which it is, and, and the only the only thing we can do to Shut Lewis's up, point, you're wrong. the only thing we can That's do all to I remember hearing. is... The only thing that can make the culture of soccer better in the United States is time. And that's the one thing that we hate to think about. You know, when, when you think We've about had three years, no, 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 no. I'm that. talking about generations, <laughs> Michelle. No, yeah, yeah. Not just, just, like just, the, uh, the, 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 the yeah, not just regrouping. Lewis is talking about with baseball. Every, every kid knows how to play baseball because their fathers taught it to them and, and so on and so forth. Their mothers or their fathers taught it to them. But that has been accelerating uh, uh, the last few years, I mean, it's been accelerating every every other few years, of course. A lot of that is definitely due to the internet. But time is the only thing that's going to heal that wound, right, or that that gap, that's going to close that gap. It's going to be – and it's not ever going to be as fast as we want it to be because we have access to much better uh, product – so, quote unquote, a much better product. I'm using air quotes on an audio podcast. I understand this um, to the European game. But hey, man, bring you me back to fine. MLS. MLS players stepped up in this game, both on the Honduras side and on the on the U.S. side, and they showcase that MLS is something that is not a joke anymore. You know, that's something that we've had to deal with as people who who love and support the league 
Um, and, and American soccer is a lot of people turn their nose up on MLS and it's not a joke. Like it's a legit league. It's good. It's you're seeing the improvements happening and it's making CONCACAF more competitive, which is good. It, it can only be better. You know, the, the tide raises all boats. And in this case, it's MLS. I mean, those are the people in the know. I still I still get a lot of uh, opinions of people that don't pay attention to MLS and only pay attention to other well, leagues. Bobby, opinions, you know, and, opinions you know, I mean, are like No, but horseshoes. again, stop getting, stop getting so defendous, defensive. But I'm saying th- that's that what you are speaking of, there is still a... Uh, 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 a, a force that pushes that back. Like there's still people out there that still think that MLS isn't isn't shit. There's still, you know. But I agree with you that there's a lot of more. There's there's more. I mean, every, it's gonna happen. That's how evolution works. More and more and more people are gonna start believing in that. You know, like and and and, and pay, paying attention to it, and and recognizing, you know, I, the love of it. When when it comes to MLS fans, it's a very different thing. That's more personal. It's about where you're from and who your team is and. And how you built on that, you know, that's a very different thing. And that's that, you know, and that's what soccer culture is about. Also in those European teams within their respective fans, fan base in their in their uh, in their uh, neighborhoods. So I, think, so, I but, mean, but part of I, the, go for getting at these these very global conversations that I think are are very important and, and very good. I, I would like to kind of pull it back into what we saw over these past three games, just simply because I think we're getting at a point where. I, and, and, and to, you know, all of you mentioned, like, you know, for example, I was at the station, I wanted, I had the ticket, I wanted to buy in. My argument to that would be, I think I understand why, because what happened in that last qualification cycle between dealing with Jurgen Klinsmann and kind of like a, hey, let's throw darts at a dartboard and that's going to be our formation today was really frustrating. And then we go to Bruce Arena who, you know, we lose it home to Costa Rica and that was rough. And then all of a sudden it starts to dawn on all of us, right. That, Oh, this isn't going to happen. Like there, there is no, to, to bring it back to baseball, there is no walk off home run that gets us to the world cup, you know, like, and, and, and I think that was a deep scar on, on the nation, especially the nation that really took the energy of what occurred in 2010 when Landon Donovan scores that goal. And then when Abby Wambach scores that goal in 2011 against Brazil, that really delivered, kind of a defibrillator, you know, to both programs that was like, yes, we're still here. Like, yes, we're still alive. People care. And so, you know, we're talking about a nation that by missing on in 2018, they were only one of five nations to qualify for five World Cups in a row. You know who, you know what company we shared? We shared Germany. We shared North, the Netherlands, Italy. We shared, and the other two are not coming to me right now. I apologize. South Korea and Brazil. Exactly. That's not bad company to share. Like that is not bad company to be a part of considering the region we're in and, and, and the, the respective powers that are in this region. I think we are looking at a young team go through young mistakes. And I think especially in that game against Canada. Now, we can talk about certain players in this game and about like it's very clear, for example, that John, or John Brooks is not great in World Cup qualifying. Like he's, he's struggled in pretty much every game that he's played in CONCACAF. In World Cup qualifying. Now, was he brilliant this summer? Yeah, I thought he was absolutely one of the best defenders of both tournament or of uh, the Nations League tournament. I mean, he was critical to what the United States was doing. Um, but I think you know we're we're at this crossroads where it's again a generation of players that don't have leaders that have been through this. And I know Christian Pulisic is trying to be that. And I know 
you know, Weston McKinney had briefly flirted with that level in the last cycle. They, they are a very good team that is trying to, you know, trying to guide this incredibly difficult process with no one to tell them, you know, Hey, I know what you're going through and I know how to help you at a player level. They have it at a coach level because Verhalter has been through this before. He understands it, but they don't have anyone at a player level that's in the locker room with them. That's kind of saying, Hey, you know, we got your back. And of course, you know, the Weston McKinney thing threatened to blow up this entire team. Like I got flashbacks to the Eric Winalda, John Harks beef from all those years ago and what that did to the national team. Um, but I, I think we are in a very good place. I just think it's a place where you're going to watch a lot of these, these games that are, are frustrating because it's, you're watching kids figure it out and that that's okay. Like it's, it's going to happen, but this is a generation of, of, of players that are going to be through not just one or two cycles, but three, four cycles, depending on longevity. And obviously that's hard to predict at this point in time, but it's, I, I'm, I'm very high on this national team because I understand, I can see the talent, but also I can see the synergy between the group of players that we kind of, I think we find a little spoiled that play in Europe and playing champions league that always have it good for them. And this group of MLSers that kind of have to scrap it out a little bit more than normal. And there's a good synergy there. And I think this is really exciting. Um, you know, uh, I, I can't remember who was talking about Josh Sargent and, you know, Josh Sargent, I think a lot of people bag on him because if it was going to work, I'm of the opinion it should have happened by now. I mean, you look at the time that he spent at Wolfsburg and then now at Norwich City, it, it's not been good. Um, and, and the Ricardo Pepe hype train, I think, doesn't have any breaks and I don't think anyone can stop it. Um, but I, I do think there are there are core building blocks in this generation of players that I'm like, yes, this is what we've been looking for. This is what's going to take us to the next level. It's just a question of playing the Tetris game to get all those blocks together to start making everything work. I think one of the frustrating things for me, and again, it, it can go back to the culture of how we look at this team, is that there's always, for whatever reason, we always think it's only one problem. It's the one thing that we need to fix for us to be good. You know, it, it, first it was the league, right? We need a league, and and when, when our when we have a league, and we and and uh, uh, kids have something to aspire to uh, to play professionally here, uh, th then we'll be better. Uh, th then we. Then the, the, the thing is, okay, well, we need more talent, right? We, we need more talent on the field because our guys aren't playing in the top you know, leagues in, in Europe or around the world. And now it's, oh, well, it's the coach. It, it's the coach that's missing. You know, we need a, a world-class coach to just put this all together and whatnot. And then a new kid comes up, has one good game, Pepe, and all of a sudden he's the savior, He's a savior that's go that, that's going to lead us to the promised land. Uh, I think like four years ago, that was Pulisic. Like, we have this mentality that we're so close and that we're just missing that one piece. And it's just not true. We're a mess. There's a lot of things that need to go right. We've made strides. But ironically, in the strides that we made, somehow we've regressed. So I think... Really quickly to answer to that culture, and, the, and the, this is kind of the final point I'd, I'd like to make about the, the men's national team because we have we have beat this horse, and we need to start moving to the galaxy. Um, I think stop, he's dead. <laughs> Simpsons reference. Okay, so go ahead. I think it, it gets to a point that I, I've I've long maintained about U.S. soccer culture, which is that the U.S. 
a lot of major European leagues stumbled upon the United States at a time when MLS didn't really have holding power. And so what European leagues realized, and it's what they've done in Asia, it's what they've done in Africa, is they realized, hey, we can make some money here. And so they did everything in their power to be the league that you saw on TV, the league you had access to. They did the tours. They did everything. And so all of a sudden, you have this gen- young generation of, of soccer fans. And I, I, I saw it growing you know, through high school, and I, saw it, I, I see it with you know, my cousin's kids, and I see it through whatever, that you know, they don't really know their MLS clubs because you know, their MLS clubs just didn't have the resources, the, the machine behind it to you know, push it forward. But they know Manchester United. They know, you know Barcelona. They know PSG. They know, you know whatever have you. And so I think we as a soccer nation grew up with this inferiority complex that, oh, hey, this player is, you know, X player is very good for, I don't know, Yellow Galaxy. Let's take that. But they can never be as good as if they were playing in Europe. They can never be as good as if they're playing in Europe. You know, and so we have this generation that now is in very good clubs in Europe. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Juventus, uh, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona. Um, You know, we're talking about, you know, uh, it depends on on how you you know rate them, but RB Leipzig and and stuff like that. Like, and everyone's like, yes, they're they're there. They've made it. We now can talk with the same level of authority, et cetera, that like an English fan talks about the sport or a French fan talks about the sport. Hey, why are we only getting disappointing one one draws? You know, to to Canada at home. It's like, no, you you have to understand that you know there's so many other building blocks. And I think the next evolution for this fan base is understanding that. And, and you see it around the world, especially, you know, in CONCACAF, but also in South America, you know, you see it in Europe, whatever. Domestic leagues matter and domestic leagues help you. You can only have so many foreign based players. You need to have people that that get it at the ground level. And I think what we saw in that game against Honduras and, and, and what I hope this young generation of U.S. fans, because I'm excited about this young generation, they care about the sport. I, I hope they start to understand the import of the domestic leagues and, and, and if if we can get that, then I think we're all good. And and that's like the, the next evolution I'd like to see from the U.S. Can I say what, what, one final thing before we move on? Yes. Just to yes. kind of counter that. Um, I mean, I, I agree that, you know, having the league obviously makes your national team better. And it's not supposed to be exclusively European-based players on your national team, at least when you're playing on this side of the world. Um, you know, there has to be a mix. But what I've always said was, you know, what's supposed to happen here is when – MLS comes in, the the goal, I mean, if you're talking about national team, the goal was to develop these American-based players uh, going up against these foreign-based play- players who at the time were much better. And that, that therefore, the Americans had to raise their game up if they wanted to make the starting 11, right? And therefore, in essence, the American player becomes better at what they do, and it evolves into what MLS is currently involved in. I mean, yeah. You know, 10 years ago, th- this league was significantly worse, right, uh, than, than what it is now. And I'm talking from like a tactical, just gameplay uh, point of view. Um, but there's still that inferiority complex, not just because of Euro snobs. We're also dealing with other sports here, right? We're still trying to be screaming, I'm relevant. I'm still, you know, fighting amongst ourselves to get respect with the other sports here and the Euro snob. So I'm not sure how you actually get past that degree of uh, the, of that inferiority complex that we've actually done. Because what was the first thing that the, the main talking point as to what happened in Honduras? It was the MLS guys, right? And so you're screaming, hey, look at MLS. We're good. It matters, right? 
And to me, it's like, so what? I don't care where you actually, you know, I mean, there's there's a certain degree. Yes, I want my best players over in Europe, and I need the role players to be in the domestic league. Brazil does this. Argentina does this. Uruguay does this. And it works, right? So there's no reason why the United States won't do this. But to say that, you know, oh, we need MLS players to play in CONCACAF because they're the, you know, the saviors. They're the ones that, you know, lifted us over. And, um, you know, it's just kind of a, a weird... Like, we don't exactly, I, I go, again, it goes back to the, the, uh, the uneducated masses and like, we kind of don't know where we are and what we want to be, right? It's just, we're, we're, we're screaming out there, whatever sticks. Right now it's, yes, MLS matters. And next week it's going to be something different. And depending on the result of what the next qualifying is, we'll find something different to, to talk about because Again, we're not really sure what is going on. We're not really sure what's wrong. We're not really sure that, you know, how to fix or if it can be fixed. It's just, it's, again, it goes back to that foundation of we need to learn the sport first. We need to really, really figure out how this sport works before we can kind of evolve into, hey, we no longer have this inferiority complex. Because I think psychologically, that actually might have something a little to do with it as well. Well, for Vivi and Sebastian Legit, I am going to segue to LA Galaxy um, because... What you a know, touching moment, by the way, that was. It really was. And I'm glad that he got his goal. I mean, you know, the argument is, why does he play so much better for the U.S. men's national team than he does for LA Galaxy? And I know that we could all stay here and talk about just that. Um, but speaking of, you know, the last, the last game, uh, was the El Trafico, another draw, (laughs) um, you know, after, of course the galaxy coming from, uh, a loss, but, and a struggle themselves, but then also having beaten Portland, you know, it's, it's pretty wild in the West uh, as usual. And I mean, uh, Dave and Bobby actually attended, uh, the El Trafico. I watched, and and Christian too, too. and Christian too. Yeah. He was up there. You weren't there, Christian. No, I know. Sorry we didn't call you for the Golasso squad meetup, Christian. That's, that's Dave's fault. Don't say we. (laughs) It feels like I'm a junior. Bobby didn't want to be part of it. I'm a junior man. (laughs) No, I was, I was comfortable sitting down, but you didn't tell me. You just said, Hey, let's go, let's go inside. And I was like, I just want to sit here. You didn't tell me, tell me anything. It's perfectly fine, gentlemen. I, 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 I bear no ill will. The next time I run into a Glosso committee member, I'll take a photo with them and not invite you as well. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think those are Hammer the rules. doesn't count. No. <laughs> 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 Gotta go for that one now. Um, so, uh, yes, we were. We yeah. were at El Trafico. Uh, it was a good time, as always. Um, I mean, look... It, I don't think that anybody should have expected anything other than a draw uh, at their place because that's just a result that the LA Galaxy tends to get there. Um, it's I think it's been a draw for almost every single match except for the playoff game, uh, unless my memory uh, is not working quite right. Which is I believe positive. you're right. They've beaten us there once before. As I believe well, you're right. Uh, in the regular season in 2020. Oh, okay. Well, that was we actually that hold. We actually have. A I don't know. We record. drink when we're there, okay? <laughs> at the bank. <laughs> you watched the game at home again, didn't you? <laughs> Get the file. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I know. I rewatched the game. I rewatched the game. Do. But Dave, can you uh, talk? Because in, in at least in our podcast, Dave, we you didn't have uh, a moment to talk about the experience 
that you had at that stadium. Can you cover that a little bit? I mean, bit? look, that stadium is always um, an interesting place to go into because we we are very lucky in, in the sense that uh, I get – premium tickets uh through a friend a friend of ours um i i you know we bougie yes, we very bougie um so we get to hang out with like all the rich la galaxy i'm sorry la galaxy uh, every la galaxy fan is rich i meant <laughs> we get to hang out with all the rich lafc fans um and for the most part they're yeah, tame but also they're the, the rich la galaxy people yeah, there, there too. are rich la galaxy people there <laughs> as well but for the yeah. most part they're tame and they're lame except for the weird guy that paints himself gold i don't i'll never oh. understand that dude um he uh he's not in he, our area wore, though yeah is he? he is he no. is he wore full he on is? he oh. wore full on prosthetics for this one and I, I just remember the time that i asked to take a picture of him and he got mad at me and um told me he didn't want to be a meme and i just looked at him like bro you're already a meme just let me take the picture uh didn't happen but he, you know he 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 mean he mean uh, eyed me through uh, he mean mugged me for the rest of the game. Um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, the atmosphere there um, was. I, I'm always surprised by the atmosphere there because everybody always trips over themselves to talk about what an incredible atmosphere the 3252 is and this and that. We're dead center in the midfield uh, at that stadium in our seats on the field level. Yep. We could hear. Yep the LA Galaxy fans better than we could hear the 3252. Um so the the thing about that stadium you have to remember um besides the 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 fact that um some of their audio is sneakily snuck in through the the speakers um uh cuz the 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 section is is mic'd up um all of the the roof is designed to send all the sound straight back down to the field. So all of the microphone, the TV microphones and stuff that are uh, down on the field, they pick up all of the sound. So, of course, it's going to sound loud and intimidating and all that. When you're there in person, it's not that intimidating. It's it's loud, but that's because we're down on the field where all the sound is coming down. But you can you can tell that the sound is coming through the 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 construction of how the stadium is, and you know that's fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. cool. That's but fine. Yeah, because I didn't even hate. But, you know, I couldn't even hate badly. the stadium when it, when I had gone. But um, what I was oh, saying, like no. you could definitely from the TV hear um, the Galaxy supporters loud yeah. and clear. Yeah, and they were loud. They were louder than thirty-two fifty-two at, at large portions of the game. So no, we, Christian, good job. Yeah. Um, yes. uh, the thing about the thing about the diggity is that the stadium, the, the roof is not designed to push the sound um, back to the field. It's just designed to keep the sound out from the neighborhood. So it, it actually like pushes it out and then back down to, toward the concessions. Um, and then it just kind of gets lost behind the, the concession stand. So I think if, if you know AEG wanted to spend some money and, and adjust the roof by a couple of degrees, I think we could get much louder I think if you covered Victoria Black, you could get an insane amount of sound down to the field. But yeah, so that's I, for I'm, sure. I'm quickly cutting in just because I'm a little bit concerned because uh, it's currently monsoon season here in San Diego, and concerned. there's a bit of a lightning and oh. thunderstorm getting a little closer, so I'm worried about nice. losing power. Um, what I will say is, I think in terms of atmosphere in that stadium, it was oddly a little tense in a way that I. Usually, traffickos are a bit of a a, a a a party atmosphere, but I think LAFC 
totally a lot of tension into this traffico because if you think about what LAFC is right now in this season, I mean, they're below the playoff line. It's been a season that's really disappointed. Um, we kind of all started to realize Diego Rossi was on his way out, you know, a week before this game. There was a sense around LAFC fans and LAFC in general. And, and, and that's why I think, you know, this was a fantastic result for the Galaxy, a 3-3 draw, because I think it really demoralized what LA and, – and, you know, we could talk about LAFC winning, you know, what was it, 4-1 against SKC the next weekend. Um, but, you know, like, this – it was it was an oddly tense atmosphere, and especially when they went down. Like, you know, it, it almost looked like had the Galaxy gotten that second goal, I think, you know, early enough, I, I honestly think it could have been a blowout. Like, I think the Galaxy would have had space and would have had time, and I kind of, you know – Obviously, it's one of those rivalry games where, you know, you, you can you can throw the form book out the window because form never matters in a rivalry game because it's a rivalry game. Weird things happen. Um, but it was an oddly tense atmosphere. And um, I was I, I was rather impressed. You know, obviously, we, you know, being in the away section, my kind of perception of the sound of the stadium, I can only hear us, obviously, because I had a drum next to one ear and someone screaming in my other ear. Um but to your point about acoustics in a stadium, and this is what I think happens in these mega supporters groups, which is kind of a bummer, and it's kind of a weird thing that happens in supporters groups, is I think just people add too many drums. Like I think <laughs> you you like and 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 you know, far be it for me block, even though I, I I stand in that section often. Um like I feel like with 3252, you know, and and listening to um whatever the section they they're calling them the Innistat in Cincinnati and um, the Nordeca in Columbus. Like you, you could pull like two or three drums out of that section and it would sound a little bit better. Like you could hear people singing. Um, but if we if if we want to get to the to to a quick review of that game because I know both of our podcasts probably have at nauseum discussed that game. Um, I I think you know <laughs> actually oddly enough I'll, I'll relate this to the US men's national team. That three-three draw is a really good result for the Galaxy, considering where they were. I mean, you talk about two incredibly disappointing results against Vancouver and Colorado, and you know it's it's the longest winless run of the season right now. It's one draw, two losses. Like, that's not a bad place to be. I think you know, getting a draw there, considering that LAFC probably circled this game, considering where they had been previous to this game, for the Galaxy to go out and kind of break their heart in the 86th minute. And yes, I know it's a draw. And, you know, how painful can a draw can be? But you look at Bob Bradley after this game and he says, I feel sorry for the guys because it felt like a loss. Oh, a draw. You know, you know, he 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 kind of went into that mindset. And I, I think, you know, this Galaxy team has shown a mental resilience unlike any other team, unlike any other Galaxy team we've seen in the past three years, right? Like yes. this Galaxy team just mentally gets it and mentally knows how to fight for every single inch. And will they lose games occasionally? Yeah, but they haven't gone any like LA hasn't gone without or hasn't gone um, without uh, hasn't hasn't gone without a win in consecutive matches in any of its first twelve games. That speaks to a mentality of all right, we can we can forget that, move forward. And I think I'm hoping what happens in Colorado on Saturday is is kind of that that mentality steps up again because I think the Galaxy were. were in the moment, pleased about the draw. But I think kind of thinking about Greg Vanny well, and the way that he's talked about the, his team, I think they're actually maybe not that pleased. 
Well, here's the thing. I think you need to put the revelry uh, with LAFC in a very different bubble than anything in the season. Right. It doesn't matter how we played upcoming into that game within the season or our rankings. It doesn't matter what LAFC was doing. It's it's a very different thing. It's it's a very different game. This rivalry is a very different game. It's it's a lot. It's a lot more about clout and who's the LA team and blah 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 it's, blah blah. It's all proven, that bullshit. It's it's proven that because we yeah. had no business winning that first game. We had no business, <laughs> you know, drawing the game over there. But uh, you know, as Bobby says, you just put that in a separate bubble because it has nothing to do with anything else that anybody is doing. Nope. They just find Absolutely that extra not. gear. Um, but you know. All, I'll say this in, in Christian, you talk about how this team, they, they, they're fighting for one another. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're staying true to their mantra from the beginning of the season, play like brothers, play like family. Um, at no point have I seen this team sort of put their head down, you know, change their body language. I don't want to be out here um, type of game. I haven't seen that from this galaxy team yet. Um, which is good, which is phenomenal compared to what we've seen in the last three or four years. Yeah, the Galaxy are fun to watch again. Um, you know, we were talking, not to like keep comparing, but, you know, you're watching the U.S. Men's National Team and you're like, still, like, I don't know if I can get behind this. It's like, as Gal- as the Galaxy fans, I feel like, you know, we've always been 110% in. I mean, we all we have podcasts based on them. Um, but there's just something about, like we were saying about the culture um, you know, that's really been brought with Vanny and it's, it's really phenomenal to have younger guys, um, you know, despite how they've all come in at different times and from different places. And so, you know, them trying to click and to be in fourth place in the West, I think, you know, it, there's some fatigue of playing like the same teams, but you know, that's just the world that we live in right now. And I'm not going to complain about that because, you know, we got we got soccer back and we get to go to the stadium still. And and, you know, the only home game the Galaxy have this month is uh, Central American night on September 15th. And it's a Wednesday game. So, you know, there's been talk of like the attendance, you know, kind of being low and, and whatnot. It's going it's to we'll be, be there. Yeah, we'll be there. And <laughs> we'll be there. But I mean, it's going to be a low attendance compared to a weekend or a Friday. Yeah, and we'll, course, ta- we'll talk about the magazine. Goes. We will be there with the, you know, issue one and two of the, the magazine for the pop-up as well. Um, you know, you know that we've done with Elliot Azar House, which is another reason, you know, I wanted the guys on and we could collaborate and talk about this. Um, but, you know, I mean, what a time. I know that for Bobby, it was something that, and David and Lewis, like, it was something that they wanted to do. Um, the conception of, of the magazine. And I I think it really comes as a really great time because, you know, with the pressure, unfortunately of LAFC, you know, up the 110, it's like, we're embracing that we've been there since 96. Um, you know, you guys actually in the heart of the city, you guys have been lucky enough to actually have gone to the Rose Bowl and, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. Oh, we yeah, were there. Um, you know, I, we were there in, da- in, da- in David's uh, grandfather's, uh, what I would call caca green van, the Volkswagen <laughs> bus. <laughs> and the color was caca green, but it was more like, uh, like, if, like a white, a white person's guacamole that puts a little too much sour cream. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Yeah, um, I joined as a Galaxy you know. fan in, in 2005. <laughs> so, you know, I knew about the Galaxy because when I was in elementary school, there was a dude named Roberto who came to class all decked out in Galaxy stuff. And I was like, dude, the Galaxy throw up on you? And he just like... Was that me? No, I know, right? And then he was like... He just whips around and he's like, you should know about the galaxy. They're awesome. I'm going to play for them one day. And, you know, why don't you know who they are? And like, you should go to a game. And I go, okay, I'll ask my uncles to take me a game. And I asked my dad, like, geez, Um, you know, but my family was, even though they were from the Netherlands, um, they were and played soccer over there. They were all American football here and uh, basketball. So, I mean, it was great. I got to see Jordan, Kobe and all that fun stuff. But um it's just that, yeah, there's just like this this love for the galaxy that we've that we've been able to specifically Elias our house because because you know you guys took the lead on the magazine. Christian and I were lucky enough to be um, writers, you know, in in it. And yeah, it's just my whole point is is that like it's really a great time because you have this mix of like new fans coming in, and then you have this mix of. Um, fans that are you know been there a long time and you know to not to like age us but it's true at our age now we want to collect things we want to have this nostalgia we want to have well, you know and so it's 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 like yeah. another memorabilia for us too we're geeking out over our own project well yeah no i mean the the, the whole inception of it was to make time capsules of every season uh, that displays and explains of what ha- is going on within the galaxy and around it. You know, th- that's the kind of shit that you don't really hear. Sorry, Michelle. Uh, but we're late in the game. So uh, <laughs> sorry, bad words. Uh, so but like that's that's the thing. It's like that's the stuff you don't really hear too much. You don't hear about the fans. You don't hear about what's going on. You only see like I mean, you don't even really see much highlights um, or history. Yeah of galaxy too much and in a professional without way. galaxy history taking um, over that yes without galaxy history taking over it's not like we're getting the last dance of a galaxy version of it you know we're not we're not seeing yeah. that um so that's kind of what we've been wanting to do i want to like create time capsules of, of certain areas and seasons and what we we're doing i i you know it's 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 a miss that we didn't hit it during the zlatan years because i wish i'd did do it during those years and um but i mean we're at the we're, we're at this apex of this newborn galaxy team that has this new generation this new look this new view and uh but also we're also uh covering fans you know like in this next issue issue two we have some fans that we have in galaxy of a g uh a lifestyle of g sorry and um the fans are around six to four years old you know i mean to us to to me david and lewis that's young, you know, that's very young. Well, it, it, it uh, but to, that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing to hear, yeah. you know, it Go speaks Dave. to, you know, the, the, what Lewis was talking about at the very beginning of the podcast is, is the culture of learning about the game, not just like, you know, yeah, go kick the ball and go run around. You learn about all the stuff that, that's involved in supporting a club, right? Because it's not just about learning the game. It's about learning the culture of, club it's about living yeah, the about world living in it. It, within becoming, the club and, and that culture as part of your mm-hmm. daily life and that's sort of the things that we kind of wanted to capture with a lot of the, the the things that are happening around the galaxy because i would say in the in the way that the galaxy has been as bad as they've been in the, over the last three years and now they've they're back on the up the galaxy community has really exploded over the last 
three or four years, like, you know, five years, four years ago. I think it's the, I, and to be honest, I think it's kind of therapeutic. It is, that's I mean, what it it's, is. it's cause we all needed it. We all exactly. needed each everybody, other. Man. Like, said, hey, <laughs> oh, there's other people that love the galaxy too. Me too. I love it, it. I love this stuff. I think also, and, and, um, Michelle, your, your, your piece in the, in the first edition of the magazine, I kind of talked towards this, but. Oh, yeah, you know, I interviewed Christian for those of you who haven't grabbed issue one yet. And now I have and oh, for now sure. other fans. And like on the 14th, I, it's gone. Get it now. Uh, no, no reissues ever again. But uh, I, I said, like, you know, what's been incredible is that, you know, at a time when I think a lot of us felt that the front office and, you know, results were flagging. And I mean, it was it was it was difficult to be a Galaxy fan for, you know, since about 2017. Um it was this community that we all built, you know, that we all have a hand in building, you know, between, you know, either us in, in the podcast space or, you know, as we mentioned, Galaxy History earlier or, you know, the, or, you know, like all of this different, you know, all the fan vendors and stuff. That's been where the heart has been. And it's so cool to see. Sure. Absolutely. That, that community, you know, blossom into what it's become. And, and I mean, you know, seeing the pop ups and that's, seeing and, everyone that's involved with that. And that's something that we. To me. And that's something that we want to highlight, you know, everybody around the Galaxy community. It doesn't have to be the the players. It doesn't have to be the FO. It doesn't have to be that. It's 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 about the fan base as well. I mean, of course, we're mixing in real interviews and all that stuff. Like in the next issue, we have an interview with MERS that was a part of the Maximum Capacity uh, concert that was before the game. And we also have uh, a Galaxy History. He does an interview with uh, uh, Sean Franklin. Uh, and his his uh, his experience and his uh, highlight of his careers with with his uh, with the LA Galaxy. I mean, look at there's a lot, and we ha- we also have another you know another cover by Conway, you know, uh, doing of uh, Jalen's yeah. mother, you know, talking about. Say, go well, go you, ahead. You, I was I was I was briefly going to say you to that, but I, I think you beat me to it. Um, which you know, like I, as you said, you know, we're, this 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 project is not necessarily about the team; it's about the community around the team. And that's why I kind of, I, I, I went for, you know, a, a mother of an athlete, like, and, and her act and, and, and Jalen's active work or Jalen, Jalen's mom's active work, excuse me, Sarah's active work in the community and, and wanting to support it. And I, and that to me was, was because so that awesome. kind of, that kind of work should yeah, be highlighted. Exactly. And I, and I, I hope, I hope I did well by her and I, I hope you all will, will read it. Um, but yeah, no, like this has been, this is an incredibly cool project and it, it's cool to highlight voices that needed to be highlighted. And Lewis writes all about the, uh, how the Galaxy team is is doing right now. So if you guys, you know, I know you, some of you listen to us. The philosophy, yeah, but you get the, to the, the style of, of the progressive look. Yep. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited I mean, to see the, the new issue um, come out because I, I've, I haven't seen like any of the layouts, nothing. <laughs> so I'm gonna feel like a new fan getting that first issue when it comes out in uh, in a couple of days, right? It, it feels like yes. Uh, in by next Wednesday, we will be announcing it. Probably in the early next week, I'll start making some preview uh, images online, and then on Wednesday it will be up for sale. Issue one is still on sale on now. Her- on her. Issue won't be a sell until the 18th. I know I said 14th earlier, but no, I meant 18th. Um, and there will be a limited amount of issue ones re- ready for the Galaxy pop-up. But 
you need to buy it with issue two. So it's a bundle. Yeah. And, um, and, and listen, we're not doing this to, you know, make, make money on it. I don't know. Yeah. We're doing it because we felt the need to, as, as Bobby and Michelle was saying, we need to highlight the community. We need to talk about some of the things that, um, that happen around the team and around and, and, you know, the, the, the purview of the team, not just, just the team itself. You know, there's, that's, that's what all of the, professional writers and stuff are for um you know but but we do hope that you do support the project because we do want to keep it going obviously we you know we can't uh, uh continue to do it as as part of a, a you know just continue at a loss um but it is something that helps not only support the show but it goes right back into developing more stuff within the community um and helping to grow the culture and and you know we we hope that in some teeny tiny little way that in 50 years galaxy, you know, the next generation of galaxy fans will go, will look back to this uh, or to this point in time and say, wow, this is when, this yeah. is when it, if it, your great grandfather, if your great grandfather bought issue one and issue two <laughs> and you were able to read it still and, and understand that community and what was happening around it and, and what was going on with the galaxy team, this is the only place yeah. you can get and, it. And and like I said, you know, we Literally. hope that it, you know, years and years and years down the road, we can say we had a small, teeny, tiny little part that helped transition the Galaxy and MLS really from franchises to becoming clubs because that's what's happening. Uh, that's what's been happening over the last few years is that we're tr- we're the the fan base and the the it's they're no longer fans they're supporters that's you know that's the transition that's been happening over the last few years i'm i'm keeping mine in the plastic yeah yeah you should and you should get it graded <laughs> i'll sign copies too on the next one i was gonna say i've i've had a friend who was like Can you well my, my article are you serious right now <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks well my buddy my buddy my buddy drc which well, I'm not going to say anything right now. But my buddy DRC, uh, he buys two issues every, well, every single time. It's only two issues. But he buys two issues, one for a signature and the other one for him to read. So, yeah, I mean, you know, not not to uh, to continue to celebrate our own little project here, but, you know. No, I think you should. Are, I think yeah. you should buy two issues, everybody. <laughs> for the next three hours. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but for those of you who already supported, uh, thank you so much. And for those of you who are going to, you know, jump on the train um, now, you know, thank you. Thank you very much. Like I said, a lot of the uh, everything that we put into it, it's going to go right back into, uh, you know, generating more stuff for the magazine and, and really like pushing it further up uh, in, in terms of quality. We hope. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's 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 we're not going out and uh and you know partying with the uh, with whatever we we generate out of this you know with the, the very little that it does <laughs> yeah, you know, no, exactly. it's bobby, only yeah. only whatever yeah, freaking right edit, you know? bobby laughs yeah <laughs> bobby laughs like i haven't paid uh, i haven't been paying three years worth of uh domain fees and uh <laughs> and soundcloud uh, uh subscriptions <laughs> Yeah, those multiple years still like match up this one well, order. Look, and well, Anyways. I can say if you listen to Elias Our House, Bobby also has said that you know the games like before when you're looking at MLS, especially when you're trying to do balls and beers, you like 
the the scores in the last game. So I was looking at the score from from the last time they, the Galaxy faced Colorado, and I'm just trying to tap into my inner Eliazar house and go, you know what? That doesn't matter. We got to look forward at, at what the Galaxy, you know, were able to do. Uh, you know, we're seeing their potential as they go into Colorado. Christian is actually going to be traveling nice. uh, to support. And so he'll be in Colorado taking over uh, Simply Soccer's Instagram. Uh, so thank you, Christian, and thank you, you guys who have been listening and following us. And of course, you have to play balls and beers. You can still get uh, get it in there. So you know, as the LA Galaxy head into Colorado, you know it's not easy to play away. It's not easy to play at that elevation. Um, you know, if you are looking back, the Galaxy didn't do well um, in Colorado or against them, and. You know, they lost to two other teams, you know, in, in the similar region. And so it's just, I try not to, you know, blindly love my team. Um, you know, I think that's like one of the major things that we all do. We, I think we fairly criticize uh, the Galaxy. And, you know, Christian and I try not to be uh, doom and gloom um, all over our podcast. Um, you know, but I just want Grant Sear to stop hitting the post. I want them to make more on set pieces um they they've got to do better on that and when they're going in uh to colorado and you know i mean vanny's a great coach um but it's not impossible for him to be out coached i think um you know chicharito's actually available on saturday so it it's really going to be exciting I, i'm glad you know to see another piece come back and i and i'm hoping that he's the missing piece um you know yovalich got his uh, goals at the bank and it's just, you know, Julian Araujo keeps taking souls out of the back line. Um, and so, you know, bond in, in goal. I mean, I'm okay if I see Klinsman to be honest with you, um, because you know, why not? And they've had a bye week now in which they could go ahead and catch up and, you know, work on any mistakes that they've made and they can, you know, really tighten things up and, and, I mean, I am, we don't do predictions on uh, Simply Soccer, but if you're doing balls and beers, I mean, I did bet for the Galaxy, but I did bet only three points. So let's quickly kind of get into the weeds on Colorado here. I think Colorado's, a, Colorado's an interesting roster, and it's, it's a roster that I, I, I like in the sense that it's a lot of, like, it reminds me a little bit of LAFC, inaug- or um, not LAFC, like, correction, uh, let, me, let me pull it to a different sport. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights in their first season, which was a bunch of castaways from teams and kind of, they all met in the locker room and said, Hey, we're going to prove all the teams that let us go for free wrong. And if you talk about, it, I mean, it's, it's Jack Price, it's Mark Anthony K it's uh, their lead scorer, Michael Berrios. Like, I mean, th- this is a, like a collection of kind of like a bunch of MLS journeymen and Robin Frazier hasn't really done anything special. I mean, Robin Frazier basically is doing in a very Bruce arena kind of tradition I'm going to put my best players in their best positions and it's going to work. And it's worked. I mean, they're MLS's second best team on points per game. They're, this is a wholly un, like, an unfashionable Colorado side, if, that, if you will. Like, they're not flashy. They don't, you know, you know, stun you with incredible passing moves. They're not, you know, quick and fast on the counterattack. They just do the little things right. And I think, you know... I was um, I, I got dinner um, with a family member and, and I was asked, you know, what would you do if you were a soccer uh, soccer coach? And I said, well, I'd just make sure my team does little things right and look what it's done for um, Colorado at this point in time. Um, I, I think, you know, this Colorado team, you know, they, they're they're stingy in the back, only nine goals in the last 12 matches. 
um, allowing uh, only more than one goal once in that span. Um, the nine goals conceded are the fewest uh, since the beginning of July um, in MLS. I mean, the uh, so like they, they they do not they're stingy in the back. They aren't necessarily flashing the front. I mean, Michael Barrios has only five goals this season. They're their leading. He's their leading goal scorer. I think this is a game where, you know, this is one of those games, especially this reminds me of Minnesota away a couple weeks ago, right? Where they went into a place where there was a team that was defensively pretty solid, didn't score a lot of goals. And the galaxy figured out how to get it done. And I think they can maybe repeat the same game plan. I think adding Chicharito into this mix, when we talk about adding Jovalich and and uh, Hamalainen, and I and obviously we don't know exactly what how many minutes Hamalainen will play, considering he's coming back from the Euro qualifiers, and what Lejet's role is going to be, and what Harvey's role is going to be, and what John, Jonah's role is going to be, considering they're all coming back from uh, from from their respective qualifiers, and we don't know what you know quarantine rules are for specific players and, and what have you. Um, this is going to be a very stingy game. I have a feeling. I don't think this is going to explode into a you know four three shootout. Um, I think. It's going to take time for Chicharito and Jovelic to, to really understand how to play with one another, if that's what Vanny is thinking. I, I think it's going to take time for everyone to kind of get on the same page. Um, so uh, that, from a Rapids perspective, I think it, the, the playbook writes itself, which is just be stingy in the back, take advantage of a Galaxy, uh, a mistake in the defense, which which we've seen the Galaxy give up a, a, a fair amount of times. I think for the Galaxy, the, the question is getting all these attacking pieces to work together and to talk in the same language. And I think as Michelle, you mentioned with grants here, we've, we've, we've kind of struggled with, all right, you know, here's when to make the run. Here's when to, you know, here's when a player should go. Here's when a player should pull back. And I think that that takes time and that takes a lot of just being able to talk on the same page and that, you know, we're looking at kind of a, a gemstone that's slowly being polished and that takes time and that takes effort. And I think, you know, it's it's going to be difficult to go against a team that is this defensive defensively stingy. Obviously we don't do predictions on the show, but if I was leaning, I'd say leaning towards a draw. But I think if the galaxy can use Cabral and ground pace to break space and then have Jovalich be that guy that kind of directs gravity and then have Cheech run into that empty space. I actually really like the way this galaxy attack looks, especially with revolution and Sasha behind it. Um, my only question is what is Sasha's 90 minutes at altitude and God, they've run revolution into the ground. Um, you know, what what can that do? And then my other question is, does Greg Vanny know what his best center back pairing is? Like, do we have a firm question on that? And that's that's kind of where all my big questions come in this game. I'm not I'm not sure that we know I don't I'm not sure there is a best center back pairing, to be honest with you. Um I think that uh, obviously, Kulabali has been exploited, uh, as we saw against LAFC. Uh, Williams seems to be tentative after he's come back from that suspension. Um, you know, maybe Dan Sarah's and Nick DePew are the center back pairing uh, that are the most solid just because they have the most familiarity. But we've seen what that pairing looks like over the last three years or two years. So, um, I, I look. I think that the Galaxy are getting ready to wind up and really start pouncing on the last half of the season or the last part of the season. Um, I think this is going to be interesting to see. This might be the kickoff of a, 
you know, three-month run, or we might sputter. Um, but we'll just have to see how it all comes out. You know, that, that first step is going to be the big one. And unfortunately for the Galaxy, that's against a team that has already beaten them at home. Uh, in you know, and they have to go to Colorado, play at altitude with players coming back that might be tired. So Vanny's going to have to figure this out and manage the minutes well. But I guess anything can happen. I'm I'm ready for the Galaxy to to show us who they are in this game. I think also I, I, one one quick thing I just looked up is that the Galaxy play their next four out. Four out of five on the road. The only home game being uh, the game against the Houston Dynamo on on Wednesday, as we we mentioned earlier. And that throws kind of a wrench into things. Um, away to Colorado, home to Houston, away to Minnesota, away to Austin, and away to Real Salt Lake. Then closing that sixth game against LAFC at home. So it, the schedule is not necessarily our friend at this point in time. Nor has it been because MLS going to MLS. And also we share the stadium with like three different teams. So. And our field still looks better. Anyway. Um, one, one quick number I'd also like to throw in real quick before I, 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 I shut up for a bit um, is uh, Jonathan Bond. Uh, only Austin FC's Brad Stuver has made more saves uh, 95 per 90 um, than Jonathan Bond has 87 saves 4.1 per 90. That concerns me because... Jonathan Bond was really good to start the season, and I think it's starting to regress to the mean just a little bit simply because of the amount of numbers he's facing. I, and I understand, as you said, Michelle, about, you know, maybe, you know, Jonathan Bond needs a rest and maybe we can give Klinsman another game. But, like, it, I think that's more a question of, of, of our defense tightening up rather than necessarily uh, Jonathan Bond being excellent. And um, that, 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 those numbers underlying do concern me just a little bit. I guess I'll jump in here since no one else is jumping in. Um, uh, yeah, we're waiting for as, you. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I missed no. my cue. We want, we want my that cue. Golden, golden Lewis rant. Go for it. Uh, no, not really a rant. Uh, I just want to point out, uh, you know, Christian pointed out the schedule already. Um, four, four games on the road this month. Um, the, the one game that looks very winnable is the game at home against Houston. It's, it's a very poor side. Uh, even the game in Austin is a bit tricky simply because of uh, uh, the travel that you're doing uh, from Minnesota and all the way back. Uh, granted that you have a week, um, but I think this month, at the end of this month, and, and probably at the end of the, the uh, LAFC game on October 3rd, um, this is the make or break part of the season for the Galaxy. It's a very tough part of the schedule. Uh, it's practically crunch time now. You have this month, next month, and then like a game or two in November before the playoffs start. This is pretty much crunch time. This is that you know, you're, you're coming up on that final lap of the race. And everything is completely tight. The game that you have in Colorado um, on um, uh, Saturday, it's an extremely tough game. It's an extremely important game. Here's someone that you are chasing um, in the standings. They've actually been playing very well. Um, I think I said it in our uh, preseason show. I said you might want to keep an eye on Colorado this season. 
they might do something very special. Um, they may not win MLS Cup. I'm just saying that I think they might turn heads at some point. And guess what? A lot of heads are being turned like, whoa, Colorado could be in first place after this weekend. You know, I don't think anybody really, including myself, thought they were going to get that high. Um, and they have a game on hand on everybody else. So um, this is a game they can't, the Galaxy can't afford to lose. Um, they can't even afford to draw, to be perfectly honest. They have to keep pace. And uh, just based on that schedule, it's, you know, the, 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 the teams that are behind them, you're, you're going to be playing Minnesota. You're going to be playing RSL, both um, six points, just six points behind the Galaxy. And all of a sudden, Vancouver looks to be fighting for a playoff spot. They haven't lost in like two months. So um, I think this is a uh, make or break point for for the Galaxy here, depending on wh where they are October 3rd. I think you should have a pretty good indication of where the Galaxy are headed, um, uh, you know, as far as playoff seating or maybe missing the playoffs, um, which I didn't think was really possible just a couple of weeks ago. But now all of a sudden just uh, seems a little bit more plausible. So. Um, and for me, uh, since we kind of threw the predictions in there, um, and I had my picks already in balls and beers, I unfortunately made this game my double down because Colorado has had our number the past few seasons, and that was when they were bad, and now they're good, and uh, they have something to play for, and they're motivated. And honestly, I think uh, as far as uh, just trying to be as neutral as possible i honestly think this is a no-brainer i i don't think the galaxy get a result especially uh with uh all the players that you're currently missing due to the international break um Revelison, it was with madagascar so he's part of that group um chicharito is back and you're gonna have to rebuild that chemistry rebuild that rhythm we have no idea how he's gonna play with the overlake um, it, it's going to be a mess. It's going to take more than just, you know, a couple of days to try to figure this out. And so, um, honestly, I think this game is a little bit of a no brainer and I have, I, I, I think Colorado kind of runs, runs away with this one. Unfortunately. So, so to, to add some numbers to your argument there, and, and I, I hate to do this, but I'm, I'm going to then throw some positive numbers in, in the galaxy's way. Ooh. Uh, the Galaxy have won four, or uh, the Rapids, excuse me, have won four straight against the Galaxy for the first time in club history. The Rapids are unbeaten in six straight since dating back to the start of the 2018 season. Five wins, one draw. Uh, Colorado's also unbeaten in seven straight matches, winning five of them, including a 1-0 win uh, at San Jose on Saturday, um, which winning at San Jose is not necessarily the, the feather in the cap it used to be. But um, it did break their, their streak of two months unbeaten. But they drew every game. Let's <laughs> not... Yeah, but it's it's in it San Jose, small club, so you know expectations are a little different. That is true. Um, I, I think I, will I think what Christian's in, what Christian is saying is that Colorado is due for a a streak break. Um, all I'm going to and, say is statistical probability indicates that the Galaxy have a pretty good shot at this one. Yeah, and and throw the MLS wild card in there. MLS well, loves to break some streaks. But here's the thing, also about the Galaxy, this is the longest winless run of the season. The Galaxy have been very good about bouncing back after disappointing results. And, you know, I, I, I said earlier that the LAFC draw was not a disappointing result, but, you know, still, they need a win. And I, the Galaxy have been very good this season about kind of coming out of, of, of periods where it's like, man, if they could just find a win, this would be good. And they've found those wins. And I think this is one of those games. It feels like that Minnesota away game to me where it's just, I think they might be able to figure something out here. I don't know necessarily if a win's in the cards. And I mean, 
Um, I was I was looking at conditions today. It's going to be a 1.30 p.m. kickoff, 12.30 West Coast time. Um, I believe we're on Univision. Um, it's going to be 91 degrees at kickoff. It's going to be hot. It's going to be miserable. Um, can't wait to be there. Um, but I, I just feel this team is so good at bouncing back from kind of periods of, of strife. And I think this might be one of those scenarios. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm of the Simply Soccer uh, pass, or, um, uh, parish, so I don't do predictions on the show. But, uh, you know, I, I could see this team eking out, you know, maybe a 1-1 draw or a 1-0 win um, if they can figure it out. Uh, but I, I do think the Galaxy do have a really good shot at this. And, I mean, if you look at what Chicharito has done this season, he's kind of always figured it out in games when the Galaxy's just needed someone to figure it out. And that doesn't necessarily go away due to injury. And I think that could be a huge factor coming into this game on Saturday. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. 100%. I hope I'm wrong. Obviously I'm not rooting for the, for the galaxy loss. I'm hoping that they have a, a really good uh, performance in, in Colorado, but uh uh, just as of right now, I know that Colorado's playing better soccer. They're at home, they're in altitude, and as you said, uh, they, Colorado has a bunch of players that really aren't flashy. They're not superstars. They're not, you know, going to national teams, um, so that that they don't have to worry about that. And uh, the Galaxy do. So um, I think that there's a lot of things stacked against the Galaxy, um, and I hope that that mental toughness that they've had for the majority of the season really. Um, you know, comes out in this game because I I think they're really really going to have to battle it out for ninety minutes if they just if they doze off for just a few. Uh, and we saw when Colorado was at, at uh, uh, Diggity Health Sports Park that they could hurt you really quickly. So um, yeah, I, I I hope I'm wrong on this. One hundred percent. The other the other number that I think actually kind of I'm okay if things don't necessarily go well in Colorado is that the Galaxy have five points on Minnesota United right now. Even if Minnesota has a, has a game in hand, I'm we're, we're, in, we're in an okay place in that top four right now. And, you know, looking at Kansas City kind of slowly regressing to the mean, I thought Kansas City overperformed perform numbers to begin the season. Um, L, 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 the Galaxy are underperforming uh, expected goals per game. I think, you know, the numbers kind of like this Galaxy team. Um, the only number that I, I would say is, is not good, which is expected goals against. That's fixable once we kind of get this defense to mesh. But it, until that happens, then we'll have to worry about that. But I think we have an ability to solve that. Um, but I think, you know, just being five points clear of the fifth place team, 22 games played, is a, is a, is a okay place to be considering a rebuilding year. And if Cabral would just, like, speed up, the f up <laughs> that's not gonna happen uh, it's not gonna happen you should have, that's his style you should have had two in the traffic you should have had two in the traffic that was a great save from romero yeah yeah definitely look like sure I said, no I see definitely a lot of what the galaxy are able to do and that's what's so frustrating yet fun but more frustrating than anything to like watch uh the galaxy do so let's hope that uh they don't have to come back i mean to be honest with you anytime the galaxy are leading first i'm always like damn it here we go like uh, you know it's gonna it's, we're gonna be right back where we started by the half so um you know it's it's like you said as long as they don't get too gassed and um they play they play things right 
Um, I think, you know, it, it might be a little bit of uh, difficult because Chicharito has been off. And so for him to come back on, yeah, you're hoping everything's going to slide right in. But to be honest with you, it might take a whole half before they feel the chemistry. And then, you know, when Vanny decides to make say, uh, subs at the end, it, it does start to get late. You're looking at the 60th minute going, oh, no, this is Escaloto all over again <laughs> with the subbing, not with everything else. Oh, geez. I, I I didn't want to leave. I, I, we, we didn't need to relive those Shaloto years and, and those. Oh. Well, you know, to be fair, we haven't had Elias our house. Um, but yeah. So, you know, thanks again, you guys so much for coming on you guys, um, for the listeners. Thank you so much. Follow us both. Like we're, we're all on Twitter and Instagram and we're going to be at, uh, the matches and pop-ups. So please just, you know, get your issue. You can order it online. You don't have to wait just for us, but um, yeah, we'll see you. Follow us on Instagram for the takeover on Saturday. Elias, our house. Yeah. Elias, our house <laughs> uh, saying goodbye. Here's David and Lewis Thank saying you goodbye. Thank you so much for having us on. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. Thank you guys for everything you do. You guys are absolutely incredible. Thank you for, uh, for joining us for a little fun. Thank, thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Can't wait. And this is Bobby. Later.